Brock Faber debuted, Marco Rossi, Kalen Addison, and Nick Patan returned. So how did they look? We discussed today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the week and throughout the rest of the season. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, Jaden Homuth joins us as we discuss the debut of Brock Faber, and we'll talk about the return to the Wild lineup for Marco Rossi, also Kalen Addison, and we'll talk about Nick Patan as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider. As mentioned, joined today by Jaden Homuth, and uh, we're talking about a 4-2 win for the Minnesota Wilds. Now, not a great game at least to start, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Uh, Jaden, overall, what did you think of the uh, 4-2 to win for the Wilds over Chicago? Well, this was a game that I like to refer to as a pineapple game. Um, pretty pretty rough on the outside, but had its sour moments, but ended up being sweet. Uh, Joe Hansen tied it <laughs> uh, 14 minutes into the third period and uh, got the game winner two and Two minutes and 47 seconds later, uh, Faber's debut was incredible. He led the team in time on ice with 21 minutes, 49 seconds. He had six block shots, was a plus one, and had a shot on goal. Uh, and then I think towards the end, Marcus Foligno was the guy who changed the game by beating up on a Blackhawk and holding his helmet up <laughs> like a trophy almost. A pineapple game. I can say definitively that I have never heard of a game described as a pineapple game. So kudos, points to you for uh, for coming up with a new one that uh, that stumped the host here today. But it it works. Uh, I'll take it. It works. Yeah, the, the whole game it was it was it was really boring. I even I texted you uh, right when. Taze actually scored to make it 3-1 before it was ultimately waved off. I said, this game is terrible. It was just, <laughs> it was so boring. And I had my note sheets ready and I had maybe two lines of notes ready for the episode. And then the fight happened and everything changed. He ended up getting JoJo two goals. Uh, Boldy passed Gabrick tonight for the most goals in a season at the age 22 or younger. Um, Gus had 39 saves tonight and Gus number two had his first goal for us and which was his 11th of the year. Uh, overall, I think he's a pretty good addition to the team in his first two games. He has three points, two assists, one goal. Um, Rossi was back up with us 50% on the faceoff dot minus one, but I mean, you're playing with Nick Patan and Ryan Hartman. So you don't, you don't expect much out of him, but I think overall he did fine and he showed that, 
he's still going to be fine in this league. And he's, he's proved he's produced, he's produced at every single level he's played at so far, except the NHL. I think he just has to get acclimated to it. And Nick Patan, the, the old vet that we signed, it just, <laughs> he, he's just, he's that extra forward that you can always depend on when you call him up. So overall it was a, it wasn't a fun game. It wasn't an exciting game until the last five minutes, but we got two points and we won, so you can't complain about it. And we beat the Blackhawks. Who? What wild fan doesn't like beating the Blackhawks? Yeah, that's the, those. All those boxes are checked. You you win a game in which you're missing your top five players, uh, some due to injury and some due to just being held out, so that they didn't be added to that list of uh, of players that were injured. So no Kirill, no Zuccarello, no Brodine, no Spurgeon. I did want to uh, to talk about the uh, the D pairings to start. Because while we saw Faber come in and him and Goligoski, that worked. That pairing worked. Really it was it was the best one on the ice for the Wilds. Um, I think by having more of a veteran presence with Faber, that allowed him a little more room to uh, kind of figure things out. But at the same time, it's not like Faber had to come in and like really feel his way through this game. He stepped in and it looked like he knew exactly where he needed to be, exactly what he needed to do. And so that character makeup that people raved about when he was with Minnesota showed perfectly well on the ice uh, against Chicago. Yeah, right from the start, they threw him in. He started the game, and I think the first thing I saw him do was go stand right in front of Gus while the Blackhawks cycled the zone and he was protecting the front of the net. And the only mistake that I saw him have tonight was on a two-on-one where he the, the pass got by him, but Freddie Goudreau was able to kind of back him up and make sure nothing bad happened there. Other than that, he was he, he was really good, and he showed, like, for a first NHL game, even though you're against one of the worst teams in the league, just being able to lead your team in time on ice and have the stats that he did and – show poise just 48 hours after playing in a national championship game, I think was really impressive. Um, and I think playing alongside Goligoski definitely helped him because that's one of his mentors that he was looking up to. He was a former gopher captain, just like Brock himself. And that, that pairing was good. It won't be a, it won't be a permanent pairing. As we know, those two are technically both considered extras for the playoffs here. So you're going to have to see who, who slots in, which I think it should be favor. And I think a lot of other people agree it should be favor, <laughs> but there's a veteran peck in order in the dressing room. But it, without Erickson, like you need your best defenders on the ice at all times, especially when you're going to be potentially going against Nathan McKinnon. So I think you throw favor in there, but the defensive pairings aside from those two, not good at all. Nope. Uh, Addison was, that's why he doesn't play everyone <laughs> tonight is the reason he just he's a good quarterback on the power play but he just he was mainly responsible for both of the goals and he just it, it's i don't know it, middleton addison was not good tonight at all yeah and it's it, we're in an interesting spot because the one side of the argument is well how the heck is he supposed to get any better when he's not playing i get that but this kind of brings us full circle to the stuff that happened earlier in the season where with a young player, maybe you go consult with the veterans 
on defense as to ways to uh, to improve. I don't know. I'm I'm not defending the handling of young players by Dean Evison this season because obviously there has been there have been some hiccups uh, throughout the year, but this team is the the number one goal for this team by and large, and I think what we saw tonight is another indicator as to why you can't necessarily do like the full go young approach is because there was just a lot of chaotic mess out there without those guys to uh, to lead the pack. And so this team's goal, first and foremost, is to win games. And if it's going to be the difference between having a veteran in the lineup or a young player who is maybe going to get caught out of position or just turned around in general out there on the ice, Brock Faber looked already in his first game on the NHL ice. He looked better than Kalen Addison has, I think, at any point that he's been out there. And two different players, I know. But still, that there's something to be said about a guy coming into his first NHL action and not missing a beat compared to a guy who has been on this team pretty much all season uh, and still is, is doing some of those same things defensively that have gotten him in trouble before. Yeah, and like you said, Faber and I'm missing a beat. I noticed shortly, I think it was second or third shift, I think it was Tyler Johnson tried to get around him. And he, he looked so comfortable. Instead of kind of falling back and letting Johnson have space, he he planted his left foot, stepped in front of Johnson's way, and shoved him off the puck and just took over possession. And, I, and it, it, that's just not something you see a, a rookie and a first – game player do and I, as soon as I saw that I was just thinking god bro Dean in favor man they're gonna be <laughs> a shutdown line and I think the the argument about Addison not getting any play time I think that can get solved this offseason with favor now being on the team you keep someone like Goligoski maybe hometown deal you know he's gonna want to Goligoski can now be the extra you can give Addison playing time in the AHL because he does not deserve any playing time in the NHL right now. I don't. I don't think he does. I think he's, again, like I said earlier in the episode, he's he's a really good power play quarterback and he can run a power play, and he's got one hell of a shot. But he's he's a defensive liability, and it's it's every time you see a replay, he's he's, ch- he's chasing the stick. He can't he can't stay in front of anyone, and I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe shop him around this summer, but I know a lot of wild fans don't want to hear that, but he's just not, the experiment hasn't gone well. And he just, he, he doesn't even go to his older guys to try and get tips. Like it was said once Spurgeon said that he's never even once approached them and asked for any tips on anything. He kind of just sits back and sits in the corner and watches everything and plays when he can play. Yeah. And if it, if it comes down to him getting an extension, I'll, I'll put it this way. And this may, this may sound crazy, but if you are going to go with him for an extension or a guy like Brandon Duhame, who does everything the coaching staff asks of him and fills several, so fast. several vital roles, um, power play, well, penalty kill, um, 
He can fill in on pretty much any line, um, brings that physicality, brings that speed. If you're putting those two on the block together and you're giving one an extension or the other, those are the kinds of decisions that you have to make. And in that case, I'd go do Hame. And, and I'd go do Hame too. And nobody can say that you're just saying that because you're the president of the Duhame fan club. <laughs> but I think when you look at it, you, you're right. You could put, you could slide, like you could, honestly, I'd be comfortable putting Duhame in on the first line if needed to be. He's, he's, he brings the speed and he can control. He has that, he has that full, full game play style where he can, he can be a checking forward. He can be a skill forward or he can be a speed guy. And he can like, he has like switches that he just flips. Like today we saw him, he started off really, really checking forward in the first period and a half. And then the third period came and he had a play where he almost scored. He just picked up the puck and went around both of the Chicago defensemen. Like it was nothing. And that's something that you have to keep on a team. That's valuable when you have a guy that can do anything you want him to do. And a guy that wants to be better and a guy that doesn't argue and he, and he, he deserves his playing time and he makes plays. And I think that when you get down to it, like you said, you've got to keep a guy like Duhame over a guy like Addison. Yeah. And those are obviously questions for the off season, but this is why when we get to the postseason and you see the defensive, um, you see the D pairings, you don't see Addison out there. It's because of games like this that he doesn't get out there. And so super encouraging debut for Faber. I look forward to seeing more of him as I know you do as well. Um, and so we'll see if he gets into the action tonight against Winnipeg and Thursday against Nashville, which is officially now the only other team that has a chance at making the, uh, the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference because Calgary lost. And so my prediction yesterday that the Flames would be the one to get in as the wildcard too looks looks great right now but um yeah who what what can you do i don't i i don't understand the calgary flames man it's doing the same thing over and over inspecting a different result is the straight up definition of insanity and putting the fate of your season on the shoulders of nick ritchie is just wild to me and it's a choice pointed out by brett marshall on twitter but that's definitely an interesting choice i don't I just don't – that team was – I think if I go back and look at my, my article, I picked them to skate away with first place in the Pacific. They, they, and they just – I don't know. That team is something else. So, yeah, it's like you said, it's we got the last two teams it's down to right now coming up, Winnipeg tonight and Nashville on Thursday. And we'll see who gets that last spot. Yes, they, we they will. got to get through Minnesota. <laughs> they uh, they both have a chance to uh, to go toe to toe with the Wild between now and the end of the regular season, so we'll see how that plays out. We may discuss that a little bit at the end of the show, but we did want to talk a little bit uh, now about the second line because we saw it again. No Kirill in the lineup, and so of course the uh, the Boldy Johansson combo connects for three goals. We'll talk about that as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild after a word from our sponsor, which is for tonight's video, the official sports betting partner of Locked on. That is FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. 
That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Pablo Lopez on the mound for the Minnesota Twins. So if it were me, I would take the under on the Twins uh, in their game against Chicago. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild, once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild part of your daily routine, your first listen each and every day as we guide through the rest of the regular season on to the postseason. We've got some big postseason content coming up for you next week, depending on who the Wild play. One big factor in whoever they play will be the second line, Matt Boldy, Marcus Johansson, Steady Freddie Goudreau, just slide in and take a spot, why don't you? Um, that line was was obviously the only one that was really fully intact um, in tonight's game with Kirill and Zuccarello out. And so you would expect that they would be the ones to drive the play, which they did. Boldy scores, then Johansson scores twice. Jaden, it's interesting that it seems like every time Kirill is out of the lineup, Matt Boldy just steps up and answers. The big question is going to be, with Kirill in the lineup, when teams try to slow him down, can Matt Boldy do what he has done uh, without Kirill in the lineup, with him in the lineup? It's a great question. And, you know, we saw it a little bit on Saturday. We got Kirill back and Boldy was playing. You didn't really see Boldy that much, and you're kind of wondering where he is. Uh, it's and then tonight again, Caprice out of the lineup. Boldy scores the first goal, and he has an assist on one of Johansson's goals to take the lead. So I I hope that they can mesh soon because like if they if a team does get to Kaprizov and Boldy just isn't there, it's it's going to be bad for the Wild. And the good thing about having two stars like that is they can both produce. But if only one of them is able to produce when the other one's out of the lineup, that's really no good in having two of them. But like tonight, they were they were they were great. Boldy got his fifteenth goal since March first, um, and JoJo had two of the goals back to back. I think yeah, it was back to back about within a two minute fifty second range. Um, and the the third one or his second one, which was our third goal, was a great play. That was that give and go of Matt Boldy to Johansson. It was, that was gorgeous. Great. And then Johansson's. Johansson's first goal was the 14th shorthanded goal of the season, which breaks a franchise record for the Minnesota Wild. Um, when I was younger, shorthanded goals and Minnesota Wild were never in the same sentence, so this is pretty crazy to, to, to witness. It seems like almost every single night we're getting one. But it also that stems from the fourth line, though. Our, our fourth line mainly playing on the PK, they're, they're amazing. But we're talking about the second line. And as much as we want Erickson Eck back, and I hope he comes back as soon as possible, I think the line should be fine where they are right now. Freddie Goudreau is one of my favorites for where we have him with value. And all he's going to do is make everyone better around him. And tonight was proof that they can still function without Erickson Eck. But 
can they function with Kaprizov in the lineup? I think the big element that is going to allow them to do that will be Marcus Johansson because you look at Matt Boldy and all the tools in his toolbox, speed not necessarily one of them. Johansson skating some of the best he has probably in a long time. And so he has the speed and the burst to be able to do those Kaprizov-like things, maybe not with necessarily a passing or puck handling degree, but speed-wise, he's he's got all those afterburner skills. And so if he can just kind of burn into the zone, which he is really good at too, he is really good at getting into the he zone. He drew a penalty tonight. He just went right around the defenseman. He had to pull him down. I, I, I noticed that, and I was like, Man, <laughs> that's, 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 he, he just, he, his zone entries are up there with Boldy. Like those two are so good at zone entries. And mm-hmm. you see, since Johansson's been here, his power play, he, he just effortlessly walks the line between the zone and sets the power play up. And it's, that's, he's really valuable to have right now. And if, if he can keep it up, I think the line will be just fine. Six goals. 16 points for Johansson in 19 games with the Minnesota Wild. And if he can continue to push play with those um, those two guys on his line, that line's going to be fine. Because you're always going to be presented with this tough decision as an opponent for the Wild. Which line do you key in on? Do you key in on Kaprizov? Take your eye off the Boldy line. Do you key in on the Boldy line? Take your eye off Kaprizov. Uh, that's that's going to be the question for anybody the Wild to go up against. And this Boldy line chemistry, maybe not quite the production level that uh, Boldy Fiala Goudreau was at the end of the year last year, but it, it feels like a similar beast for teams to have to contend with, and largely because Marcus Johansson can drive the play um, pretty much as good as Kirill Kaprizov can. Yeah, and I just again we have so much depth because, like you said, what what line is is a team going to key on on whether it's Kaprizov or Boldy? But you can't forget about how fast our fourth line is, and it's funny because we have a big body on that fourth line who moves like molasses, <laughs> but then you got Dewar and Duhame who can skate like almost thirty miles per hour. So you don't want to lose them because before you know it, like tonight, Duhame picked up the puck at the center at center ice and was gone almost scored a goal. Like, like teams are going to forget about that. And I think teams forget about that a lot. And that comes back to bite them. So what, what line are you, like what you said, what line are you going to key in on? And right now the avalanche are without Makar for an undisclosed amount of time. We don't know when he's going to come back. Landis Cog don't know when he's going to be back. That, that they don't, they're, they're a, they're a one line team really for forwards. And Devin Tays is losing, missing his defensive partner. What, what, who are you going to match up against our lines? And we're missing Eric Sinek, obviously. But, and then you look at Dallas. Dallas is a fast team, but they're not that much of a physical team. So if you bring the physicality like the Wild bring, what, what line do you key in on? Like it's just – I think the Wild have an advantage in depth over the two possibilities uh, or two possible opponents. But, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But it's – I think the lines will be fine if Johansson just stays – the course like like you mentioned and the team is going to be just fine yeah let, let's um <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens let's finish 
by talking about kind of that one big battle that's left to be decided. Uh, that is for that third line. And I think two elements of that third line are pretty well set. But there is one big spot in the middle that uh, is going to be a battle up till the end. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the goalies heading into the postseason as well as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wilds after this. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild part of your daily routine and your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, Lockdown NHL is ready and waiting to guide you through as another team is crossed off the postseason hopefuls list in the Western Conference as the Calgary Flames were unable to stay in the race. So now it's down to Winnipeg and Nashville in these final two games. Lockdown NHL is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, absolutely free of charge. Seth Topol joined by Jaden Homuth. Jaden, third line, is looking at this point like Marcus Foligno and Gustav Nyquist, unless something drastically changes between now and the end of the year. So Foligno and Nyquist, do we have a battle brewing between Sam Steele and Marco Rossi, or do you think Steele has that pretty well locked up at this point? I think Steele has earned it with his limited playing time that he gets. And like after watching tonight, I, I, I think Steele played better than Rossi tonight watching the game. So I, overall, you go with the guy who's been in the league longer and the guy who's proven that he can score in big games and you can argue with me all you want saying that Steele's bad, but I don't, I don't see, I mean, I get at the start of the year. Yeah. Maybe when you had expectations with them, when he was playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, but ever, ever since he's been a, a scratch, a consistent scratch, every time he slots in the lineup, he's been, he's been good. He's been noticeable. He scores big goals for the wild. The, the one that sticks in my mind always is his goal against Colorado where he was battling uh, I think it was Alex Newhook down in the front of the net, and he, and he came away with the goal, skate to his stick, and he just—he's he, a different. He need, and he plays the role that the coaches want him to play now. He's not trying to be the flashy forward. If they want him being a checking guy, he—that's what he does now. If they want him in on the forecheck, that's what he does now. He just—he—he—he he, he takes over the responsibility that they want him to do, other than trying to be this flashy first line guy that he knows he's not, and I think he's more responsible and. I think it should be Sam Steele centering that third line. Yeah, it's at this point, it feels like Steele does better in bunches. And I would say this is a theme that I used for Philip Gustafson as well. And um, in talking with Kevin Gorg after the game uh, against Chicago, looks like the goalie rotation has been lined up that uh, Gustafson's getting game one, at least at this point. Um, is giving those guys the opportunity, the first opportunity to fail, which is a phrase that sounds negative, but it's rewarding guys. And yes, Steele hasn't necessarily fit in the top line. He hasn't necessarily fit on the second line. We're not looking to fill one of those spots at this point. You have Freddie Goudreau, who has slotted in on the second line, that seems pretty well set. Ryan Hartman with Caprizov, Zuccarello, you're not touching that. 
And so you're looking to find somebody to fill in one of those bottom six spots. And so I think you roll with steel. And if that doesn't work out, you have op- you have changes you can make. I don't think this mm-hmm. is going to be a situation like last year against the Blues where the Wilds got set with their lineup and just did not make any changes until it was absolutely too late. I think they're going to go into this one hungry. And if there are things that aren't working after a game or two, I think we will see moves made by this team to uh, to shake things up if there are lines that don't look like they're effective. I think we'll see some some changes made to uh, to try to get some things jump-started. Yeah, and that brings me to this. Sunquist is going to be back. He's only day-to-day. He'll, he'll be back soon, probably later this week. He'll probably be back before the playoffs. If you got to pick a big man to put on the fourth line, do you take the guy with more points, Sunquist, or do you take the player defender, Reeves, who he can produce. He's he found his new role in front of the net. He's not trying to take shots out wide now more. He, he, he loves his net front presence now. So it's, you got arguments and like me, I would pick Reeves just because I feel like Dewar and Duhame have a sense of security to go do whatever they want on the ice when Reeves is out there. And I don't think Sunquist is the fighter type from what I've seen, but he's going to be back this week probably. And he's going to expect, I don't think maybe he'll expect a spot, but like he, you could make an argument for him to play. Yeah, this this is a roster that there are going to be some guys sitting out that could probably play uh, for somebody else. But I would say I would say you go with Reeves at this point because of that security blanket, like you said, and I think you've got good veteran experience in both guys. Regardless of which way they go, I just I think I think they will go with Reeves since he was the one brought in first to kind of help right the ship. He's become an integral part of uh, what this team is doing, and um, so I'd I'd lean that route. But you know, if if something were to happen, if they needed to make changes again, you've got Sunquist who can hop in and can can give you a spark. They they've got plenty of options to say, after a lackluster game one, okay, we're going to change things up a little bit. Or after, you know, game one, game two, things are going fine, and then all of a sudden in game three, okay, at home, let's give them a different look. They've got options to do a lot of that because, by and large, the formula for these lines is going to stay the same. And so you have a handful of players that you can throw into spots where they make more sense, you know, you're you're throwing guys into bottom six roles uh, to uh, to try to help jolt things, as opposed to like, well, gee, our top two lines look terrible. I I don't know what we do short of throwing everything in a blender. Yeah, it's I, I like I like it too. There's there's again, it's depth. So you got if if Steele starts game one and he just has that abysmal game, you can pull him out next game, throw Rossi in if. And then if, if Reeves looks slow and he can't stay up with the play or he's taking too many dumb penalties, which he hasn't really done at all since we've got him. Yeah. Um, you just, you take him out, you plug in Sunquist and you know, Sunquist, he was a power play two guy. So he, he's going to provide offense for you. If Ryan Reeves 
isn't giving that fourth line what they need. And it's, it's going to, it's, it's a good problem. Again, it's in Andrew Shaw, pray for him. I, someone I've torn my knee three times and the recovery is really bad. So it just seeing him have to go through it too. It's just, I, I know what he feels and it's, it's really hard to get through. And I'm hoping that, I mean, it sounds like he's going to stick with it and he's going to be back next year, but he was another player who was deserving to play in the playoffs this year that was maybe going to have to sit out due to our depth. And it, it's, it's a great problem to have, but it's, it's just a little bit of it is annoying because you think these guys deserve to play, but they're not going to get to. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And like you said, prayers up to Mason Shaw for um, now a fourth knee surgery that he's going to have to go through um, rooting for him to come back. And it sounds like he's going to attack this thing with a full head of steam as you would expect, but you're spot on in that he was going to be another tough decision for this team. And so a lot of tough decisions all around for the wild as they gear up for the postseason. but it is fun to see some of the kids mixed in to, uh, to see not only the present, but the future too. And uh, we'll keep plenty of an eye on both. And the big kids, Nick Patan. Can't forget about him. Yeah, can't, can't forget the big ones in Nick Patan. So that, uh, I think, is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you to everyone for tuning in, as always. Uh, we'll keep an eye on everything that, uh, that happens between now and the end of the regular season, which is Thursday against Nashville. So make sure you take the time to follow Locked on Wild on YouTube your favorite podcast platforms, as well as social media, so you don't miss out on anything going on with the Minnesota Wild as they push towards the postseason and uh, look to finish on a high note with their final two games. We will keep you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.